We've been talking a lot about Flyville 24. Well, it seems that the Flyville 23 door is not closed yet as top 2024 commitment TJ Capers announced on Tuesday that he will be reclassifying and joining the Cardinals really, really soon and will be playing for Jeff Brom's team this fall. We'll talk about the significance of that decision along with his journey to early playing time and more on today's episode of the show. Stay tuned. You are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the Locked On Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. I serve as a credential media member for Cardinal Sports Zone. I also do some PA announcing work for the university in various sports. I want to take this time to personally thank you all for making us your first listen of the day. Just a reminder that the Locked On Louisville podcast is free on all streaming services, five days a week, your team, every day. Big time news for this upcoming season. Obviously, Louisville still had some scholarships open, and the way they filled one was very interesting. Uh, The number one commitment that Louisville had in the 2024 class, TJ Capers, five-star edge rusher, From the Miami area, it was announced on Tuesday that he would be reclassifying and joining the Cardinals and playing for the team this fall. Capers is one of the top five highest rated recruits in in program history. So obviously this is a big, big time commitment for a handful of different reasons. We're going to talk about the significance of it. We'll also talk about his journey to early playing time. And, you know, how much he's going to play, what his role is going to be, so on and so forth. And then to conclude the show, we will dive into the weekly mailbag segment. So let's break this down because there's a lot of different things that we need to talk about when it comes to this situation. Number one, this is extremely significant for Louisville. This is huge for the Cardinals for a couple of different reasons. Number one, recruiting wise. Number two, optics. Uh, that's obviously the main two for me. Obviously, you have, you know, adding a five-star level player to the team for this season at a position that theoretically still maybe needs a little bit of help, the linebacker position. We're going to talk about that in the next segment, but let's talk about the significance of it from a program standpoint. Not necessarily on the field per se, but more so the looks of it. And I think that recruiting-wise, and optics are the main reasons as to why this is such a significant decision um, for both parties. Now, granted, I think that, you know, the main thing when Capers committed to Louisville back in January, the main thing that people said, national recruiting analysts, people especially in the Sunshine State said, okay, he goes ahead and he commits to Louisville now, he gets the bag, and then, On signing day or close to signing day, he decommits, he flips his commitment and signs with Miami, with Florida State, with with a blue blood program, and Louisville's left at the altar. We saw with DeAndre Moore, we saw with Ruben Owens, it'll happen again. That was sort of the vibe, that was the perception for those outside of the Louisville program, right? People couldn't believe that Louisville had went down into Miami and got a player of his um caliber now granted they went down and they got Stanquan Clark but you know Capers being a guy that was ranked top 10 at one point this was sort of a different echelon that Louisville was starting to reach now 
number one, for recruiting aspect, the main thing to focus on here is that there will be no signing day flip. That's the main benefit of him coming when it you know relate or as it relates to the recruiting side of things. You don't have to sit on the edge of your seat and wait for that decision to um, you know sign the letter of intent. And even after that, we've seen this past spring multiple times. Guys who sign their letters of intent, either in December, January, February, they will be let out of their decisions. So the permanent um, factor of the letter of intent sort of has gone by the wayside a little bit. So having Capers already on campus um, with the team playing this season, you don't have to worry about that signing day flip. Now, on the other hand, to play the devil's advocate with the one-time transfer rule, with the immediate eligibility, um, with how the portal has been going rampant, you still do essentially have to recruit your players all over again after the season because you see how much you know, roster turnover that has been throughout the country. So you could argue that, okay, you have escaped the signing day flips, but who's to say that a program doesn't back channel, throw the bag at TJ Capers and try to poach him uh, from Wolves roster as teams have done to other teams since this whole cycle began. We saw it with Tyler Harrell, who went to Alabama. We saw it with Monty Montgomery, who went to Mississippi. Dorian Jones to Cincinnati. You've seen players all over the place, not just Louisville. Louisville's done it to other teams. It's happened to Louisville. It will happen to Louisville again. It will happen in Louisville's favor in Louisville's favor again. So that's something to focus on. Is yeah, I get it, but I think that it might be a little bit easier to hold on to a player that has a year in a program rather than a guy who hasn't been to the program yet uh, is still in that area in South Florida that has to you know, tell the schools in the area no consistently up until signing day. So I think that this is a, um, it's a big win for Louisville in the recruiting department because now 2024 is going to lose its crown jewel. But you look at the trade-off, and I think that if you're a Louisville fan, you take that 10 times out of 10, right? But the other reason that this is so significant for me uh, is the optical look of it. You have a five-star talent coming to your program, not only committing, but reclassifying and joining your team early, showing that enthusiasm. Since he committed to Louisville in early January, he has been unapologetically all about Flyville. That's pretty much true. He's been on campus multiple times for unofficial visits. He's been, um, you know, an energetic ambassador of the program on social media, in photo opportunities, whatever may have you. But I think now granted, you'll say, well, he's slipping down the rankings. So just how to, how good of a player is TJ Capers? Well, I mean, look, there's politics when it comes to rankings. Brian Smith, the national recruiting analyst for Locked On Podcast Network, essentially said it. You know, when a player commits to a certain place, there's a chance that they're going to rise up. There's also a chance that they're going to fall down. We've seen what happened on on three when it comes to Louisville commits. So a guy goes from being top 10, then hasn't played a single snap and falls 40 spots or so. I think it's kind of um, iffy, to be completely honest. Um, It is what it is, but still top 10, top 50. You're looking at a very, very solid player, a type of player that Louisville is not usually used to 
recruiting after. So anytime you can get a top three, top five program, top three, top five highest rated commitment in program history to not only commit to your team, but to reclassify, forego his senior season, and join the team for next year, that looks great for the program. That looks great for the program recruiting. It shows that, hey, look, this isn't just false hope. This isn't just a player committing to a school, securing the bag, and then decommitting. This is a player sticking to his word. And you start to look specifically at the South Florida area and what Will was doing down there. I feel like there's two schools of thought. Brian Smith represents one school of thought, and I feel like the casual fan represents the other. The casual fan believes that it's all about money, that Louisville is all of the sudden coming into South Florida to the Sunshine State and recruiting well. And then you have Brian Smith, who has been in the Central Florida area for some time, and you have other people who sort of have uh, an understanding of how Louisville has recruited historically saying that, well, Louisville's always been a player in the the state of Florida when it comes to recruiting. They've got Lamar Jackson, Teddy Bridgewater, Eli Rogers, James Burgess, Keith Brown, the list, the list goes on, right? But now this is a different type of commitment. Sure. You went into Florida. You got a guy like Stan Quan Clark, four-star rated guy. You got William Fowles, four-star rated guy. You got multiple um, you know, highly rated caliber players from the state of Florida. Now you go in and you get a guy who I'll just say he's top 50 because I could see people commenting on, commenting on this. Well, he's not top 10 anymore in the rankings. I don't give a damn. Top 50, top 10, top 20, top 30, top 40, top 50, whatever may have you. Um, getting a guy like him of his rating to commit, but not only to commit, but to reclassify and join, I think that that's going to potentially – further solidify that pipeline. We hope that that was potentially going to be California to Louisville. It seems like that's a little bit unrealistic, like a one-class wonder. However, it seems like the um, the emphasis on the state of Florida is just beginning, and we're going to continue to see that more and more, and this is a great step in that right direction. But I think that the main questions that people have about TJ Capers reclassifying and being eligible for this season is, well, just how much is he going to play? What's his role going to be? How much of a difference will he make for the Cardinals in 2023? And we're going to talk about that, but I want to talk to you about a difference that you need to implement into your life. If you are a betting man like I am, you need to hop on this opportunity from FanDuel. The All-Star break is over. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks. You'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Nobody else has that opportunity out there. Um, you know, For me, I love the home run bets. I know that Aaron Judge has been hurt. Jordan Alvarez has been hurt. But Shohei Otani, always batting in that first inning. He's a great opportunity uh, or a great um, you know, player to bet when it comes to you know looking at who's going to get that first home run. There's a lot of interesting props. It's all in an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on uh, all of the MLB action than Fair than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Um, you know, you can sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com/slash/locked-on and get up to $200 back in bonus bets. Once again, that is FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 back in bonus bets. The information can be found in the graphic below. I apologize for not having that up sooner, but feel free. I will leave it up for a little bit longer for you to um, 
to type it in. So, but we're going to head on into the second segment of the show. We're discussing uh, highly rated 2024, now turned 2023 commitment, TJ Capers. Um, you know, what his role is going to be for this team, his journey to early playing time, so on and so forth. Capers is an edge rusher. Yo, six foot two, six foot three, 230 pounds is pretty much ready for the college game from a physical standpoint. So that's something that you look at that's encouraging for the Louisville Cardinals is that you have that physical, um, you know, build that is going to be able to play right away. There's been rumors from, I think, mostly Miami fans that he had some sort of a knee injury and actually gained some weight. I don't necessarily know whether that's true or false, but. Um, if he's gained some weight, I actually think that that probably helps this case. But nonetheless, if he's around the 230 area, I think that he has the body to be able to play um, in that Louisville defense right away. Now, granted, you have to wonder, what's going to be his role? And I don't think that he reclassified just a red shirt. I don't think that he came just to sit the bench. Now, granted, you have to wonder, guys that reclassify – they're not always going to be able to put that big of an impact on the field right away, especially at the linebacker position. We've talked about it. Linebacker is a tough position to learn. It's not uh, far-fetched to suggest that it's going to take some time for him to get acclimated, but I'm also not saying it's going to take a ton of time. I think that you know it's interesting to look at because, number one, you have to ask, what's going to be his role? I don't think... You know, being 6'2", 6'3", 230, that he's going to be able to be a traditional defensive end in Louisville's 4-2-5 base package. Granted, there's only going to be so many linebackers that play now, so that works against him. I don't think that being 230 pounds is going to allow him to play right on the defensive end, right at the defensive end position. You would assume that he's going to play that Leo, that outside linebacker role that Yasir Abdullah played last year. But then you also wonder, well, you brought in Stephen Heron from Stanford, grad student, Power 5 level contributor, starter last year for the Cardinal, a guy that's probably going to start. And then you have a guy like Popeye Williams who's been impressing people. You know, four-star guy from the 2020, uh, 2022 class that has been you know receiving raving reviews. You have a guy like Mason Rieger who – could potentially get into that outside linebacker role or he could be a traditional defensive end. I think that that is worth questioning. You have a guy like Cam Wilson at that position as well, veteran. So, and then if you're suggesting that, well, hey, he might be more of a traditional linebacker to where he's dropping back in coverage, outside linebacker that you know, serves as a pass rushing specialist, well, then you have Ben Perry. And he's going to be a guy that's a starting level player. You brought in Gilbert Frierson from Miami, five or four year guy that has played significantly at the Power Five level at Miami in the ACC. So there's a log jam at that outside linebacker position. And then you could suggest, and I think that we can't overlook this, maybe you look at the Stanquan Clark you know, route. Stanquan played outside linebacker um, here and there for. Uh, his high school in Miami, but played more inside linebacker than TJ Capers had at the high school level. So I wonder maybe with his ball skills, with his ability to get after the quarterback, potentially he's a guy that they try out at the inside linebacker position because there has yet to be, you know, uh, a set in stone rotation because you lost all your production from last year and you're looking to um, see who sticks out. So, on paper, 
I think it's going to be a little bit difficult for Capers to see the field substantially early on. I think that what we're likely going to see, he's going to show out in special teams opportunities. I think he's going to be utilized in special teams right away. I think that um, you're going to see him utilized in pass rushing situations as a pass rushing specialist on you know third down. You're know, a guy that they use situationally, and you know maybe throughout the year they continue to add on to his workload and he is a situational guy heading into year two and then you you kind of wonder how that's going to go I think that that's probably where we're going to be early on but I also think that there's part of me that thinks that the coaching staff is simply just going to say you know what screw it we're going to find somewhere to put him on the field so he can just get in there and wreck havoc and I think that that might not necessarily be outlandish to suggest because I think that there's a reason why they were pushing for him to reclassify. I think that he is obviously talented enough to see the field early. He has the college-ready build. He has the explosiveness. He's a fantastic pass rusher. Um, but on paper, it looks like there's a little bit of a log jam at the position. So I wonder if it's going to matter where they put him at. And truthfully, this is a great problem to have. This is a problem that Louisville has not had in quite some time. I mean, let's think about When's the last time that Louisville could have added a five-star caliber player and you wonder, okay, is he truly going to play early on? And if so, how much? I think that the really the question is, and I think that you know, there's been word from Jody Demling that he's on campus now um, as of July 12th, July 13th. So that is something that you really, really um, you love to see is that he has a couple weeks before he gets to, um, you know, before he gets to fall camp, things of that nature. So you have a couple weeks to learn the playbook, to try to get acclimated with the coaching staff, with the personnel, with your team, and, and then some. So I think that the main thing to focus on is, number one, what's the coaching staff's vision for the type of player he is? One player that stands out, he's not the only player that fits this mold, but Harold Perkins at LSU. He is – being put as an inside linebacker, but throughout high school, he played outside. He was an edge rusher. He was an outside linebacker, but, you know, maybe works out better as an inside linebacker. It took some time for Brian Kelly and Matt House to find ways to get Harold Perkins on the field, although, you know, despite Perkins being one of the best players on the field when he played, but it took some time to find out the best way to utilize him. So I wouldn't be surprised if it takes halfway through the season to see when that's going to take place. However, Louisville has a couple opportunities early on. Thankfully, this is a very friendly team schedule. So you wonder that second game against Murray State, if you don't see Brom, Hagen, Ivy, and English sort of tinker with the defensive lineup throw TJ Capers in different situations and see how he responds, maybe even continue that possibility into the Indiana game, so on and so forth, to the point to where when you do get to Notre Dame, when you do get to that back half of the schedule, you sort of have an idea of how he can help your team year one because I think that he's talented enough to play. It's just a matter of finding the right spot. Right now, it seems like there's a sort of a – an obstacle, you know, in the depth chart that they have to navigate, but that's going to, you know, become clear when we discuss what his role is going to be. And I'm interested to see what Brom and company say about that 
as we head into, you know, um, as we head into fall camp and into that first game against Georgia Tech down in Atlanta. So I'm extremely excited. This is exciting news for Louisville. This is the first time that this has happened, it really, that I can remember. And it couldn't have happened for a more highly rated guy in TJ Caper. So um, great from an optical standpoint, great on the field, um, great problem to have. And I think that he's definitely going to play a role for this team. Did not reclassify just a red shirt. So get that out of your head if you are thinking about it. So, But nonetheless, to conclude the show, we're going to dive into the weekly mailbag. Before we do that, I want to thank you all again for making Locked On the Louisville your first listen of the day. Uh, just a reminder that the show is free on all streaming services, uh, five days a week, your team every day. Every day is for those listening. Tomorrow's episode of the show will be based upon um, getting back into the positional preview. So we're going to talk about the um, either the cornerback or the safety position. I haven't found out. Grant Mulligan will be on the show for tomorrow. But diving into the weekly mailbag, First question is one that I think is a key one. With hype seemingly increasing for the Louisville football team, it seems like expectations continue to rise amongst the fan base. Have your Has your idea of a realistic season changed in terms of win-loss? If so, what sparked that change? Look, I, I think that the reason the expectations are continuing to rise is because the excitement and and anticipation is building with the season coming. TJ Capers reclassifying is obviously big news as well. I think you went from, yeah, anything under eight wins is a disappointment to now it's like there's a good amount of people saying, yeah, 10 and two. And I think that that's optimistically speaking. I think that Louisville can definitely get to that range. But you have to understand that Louisville's MO every season is to lose a game that they're not supposed to or lose two games that they're not supposed to. So you were assuming that they're going to win all the games that they're supposed to win. Um, and then only lose a handful to, you know, Kentucky, Notre Dame, Pittsburgh, NC state, Duke, um, you know, uh, a select few of those. So, I mean, I think that 10 and two is definitely realistic. I think that my ceiling has sort of changed going from 10 and two to, potentially 11 and one um, because of that schedule, because of how well I feel about the team. But I think that realistically speaking, I think eight to nine wins, people should not frown upon that. I understand that people say, well, the schedule warrants it. It's year one under a coaching staff. So I think that we have to keep that in mind. Um, I I think that anything under eight wins is is sort of disappointing for sure, but um, disappointing for sure. But at the end of the day, um, anything eight wins and over should be viewed as a success. <sighs> Excuse me. Moving right on along, going back to the basketball side of things, there have been multiple mock drafts that have put Trenton Flowers in the lottery. Do you think that his stock is at that spot right now, and can it rise during the season? Well, it can definitely rise. I mean, it's so hard to put stock on things right now on July 12th just because – the draft just happened. So it's hard. I don't even know that there is a legitimately good big board for the 2024 class yet. And that's just uh, from a time frame perspective. I mean, that's nothing against any of the guys in this class. I would legitimately just think, look, it's too early. 
I think that Trent Flowers is a very solid talent. I understand why people would look at him as a lottery player, a six eight six nine guy who can create his own shot, has the ability to be a secondary ball handler, and has that two-way potential as a defender while being a pretty solid athlete. There's a lot of things to like about Trent Flowers' game, and he can definitely improve that stock and he can rise that stock throughout the season but i'm not putting too much stock into draft right now because we're pretty much 11 months away from that point so continuing on along basketball has there been any news on tyler johnson i'm starting to get worried yeah i am as well it's july 12 july 13th there hasn't been much word if there wasn't an issue um or if there wasn't some concern i think that you know or if Put it this way, there wouldn't be any concern if we would know anything, but we don't really know anything at this point in time. But it would be a big blow to the team in terms of guard depth because outside of Sky, you really don't have another true point guard that Tyler Johnson presents. So um, no, hasn't been much news yet, unfortunately. Been radio silence, which um, leads one to believe the worst, which hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully everything goes smoothly and he's able to join the team from the people I've talked to. That's still, you know, the objective that hasn't changed. There hasn't been any pivoting at this point, but you, you do have to wonder with the fall semester coming up just about a month away, a little over a month away, you know, what's going to happen. So going into the final question, Let's see. Okay, I lost my lost my place there. What were your takeaways from the Kenny Payne podcast with John Rothstein? Do you think that Louisville fans are overreacting about um, the accountability narrative? Um, I mean, I, I mean, everyone has their viewpoints. I think that you hear what you want to hear. If you are still on the KP train, you viewed it as optimistic. You viewed it as Payne telling the truth that, you know, he has his team in place now. And if you are a pessimist or not, I don't like I don't like to use that, not a pessimist. But if you feel that Kenny Payne is not the guy or you have some concerns, you probably took that accountability argument saying that, well, he can never admit when he's wrong. And I think that both have a very colliding viewpoint. I mean, I, I it's a podcast in July. I mean, I, I don't really put too much stock into anything. I, I do like the player breakdowns. It seems like he's a very high on Sky Clark and Trey White. Um, and he talks about wanting to build the program um, with guys that develop. And, and I like that idea, but I do wonder how successful and feasible that's going to be with the transfer portal how that works and how guys are transferring out at alarming rates. So that's something that you have to focus on. Um, the one part about, um, you know, wins and losses, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to get all riled up about a coach appearing on a podcast. Uh, I mean, obviously year two, there's a very, very huge need to win more ball games. But I, I mean, I would feel like everyone in that program knows that that's the case. So, I'm sort of in wait and see mode. I'm not going to, you know, go one way or the other um, until I see this team play, until I see, you know, the product on the court, and until I see what happens this season. So, I've really, right now, I'm just kind of in a standstill. Um, I don't think one way or another, and that's not going to change until this upcoming season when we see. So, but that's going to wrap up today's episode of the show. Everyone have a great day. We'll see you right back here pretty soon.
Sorry, I had to pull up the – should have already had this ready. But if you want to find the Locked On Louisville podcast on all f- streaming services, the podcast is free and available wherever you get your podcasts.